Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast. Where's the comic book problem? Shake the shit out of it. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. This week, we are in our third week of our music month. We are doing a essentially a biography, to a certain extent, um, of yeah. David Bowie, which is called... I don't have my book in front of me. Adam. Uh, Bowie, Stardust, Rayguns, and Moonage Daydreams. Yes. Uh, which by Mike Allred and a bunch of other Allreds are on it. I don't know if they're related to him or not. Um, but uh, I actually became aware of this book because of his brother. His brother has it like an Instagram account that like he follows his brother's like Mike Allred's brother has an Instagram account where he takes a lot of pictures of Mike Allred's art and they were publishing art about this and so when this came out because this came out in hardback I think just last year I think um but yeah, yeah it's, it came, it's only 40 bucks and I got it for like 15 on Amazon it was on sale yeah. so I was very very happy about that yes and and between us we've seen a few different editions already so because your looks slightly different than mine um Adams looks like mine anyway moving on uh we have the full crew with us today we got Lena we got Todd we got Adam. Yep. And we got me. Uh, so, Mr. Adam. <laughs> and you are? And I am Brian. Uh, and okay. I am recording for the last time from this apartment. And next week I will be Woo-hoo. in a different apartment. Yay. Uh, still in the same fucking county, but just different city. Uh, so, Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Uh, so, mine is the Stardust. Uh, I kind of went with something that was a little bit glam. So, this you're going to need one ounce of brandy, one half ounce of grenadine, one half, half ounce of lemon juice, two dashes of bitters, an orange slice, and and then I'm not sure where you would find this, but you need edible glitter. So what you do is you take the first three ingredients, you put them into an ice-filled shaker, you shake the shit out of it, uh, you take your glass, you add the edible glitter to it, you strain the drink into it, you stir, and then garnish with an orange slice. So edible glitter can be found with any cake decorating uh, places. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah. so. so party stores will have edible glitter. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yep. Um, and it doesn't say how much edible glitter to add, so I guess you could turn it into a normal drink into like maybe a slushy. So I don't know. <laughs> you can also find it looks like edible glitter on um, Amazon. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's on Amazon. Of yeah. course you can. <laughs> there are a few glitters here that look very David Bowie and glam, actually. I kind of dig them. Uh, but so if you're going to have a cocktail, we're going to need to have some uh, drinking game rules. Uh, Ms. Lena, what is your drinking game rule for this week? Dot, dot, dot. Every time they go back to the first opening concert that is the uh, okay. last concert. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Mr. Todd? The hair. So okay. every time David Bowie has a different haircut, they could drink. That's sort of close to what mine was going to be, which I was going to do ch-ch-ch-changes because I fucking love David Bowie and I have a bunch of David Bowie yes. references, which, uh, you know, every time he changes identities. But I'm going to do a different one, but I'm going to let Adam go first just in case he does Actually, it. I'm going to let you go first because I made up like three. Just to, I oh, thought good. my three would be taken. <laughs> okay. My other one, also referencing a David Bowie song, which is fame. Every time a famous person is uh, appears in this book um, that David Bowie is hanging out with or something to that effect. That is uh, my other drinking game rule. Uh, Mr. Adam, what do you got? So that actually was one of them. So I'm okay. glad I made the second one. The other one is uh, times they are changing every time they mention a date. Oh, nice. Okay. So with that one, drink sparingly, maybe once yes. per page. Yes, <laughs> if absolutely. That. A little so. Uh, so I don't know. I kind of wanted to talk to Todd about this one just to start out with, mainly because uh, I know how I, he looks surprised at me. Um, but uh, I mean, you seem to be, of all of us, the one that's most focused on art consistently. And this is a book that really was driven by the artist to my 
knowledge. Um, and so I kind of want to get your take on that. What's really interesting is the, I was, so I, I didn't know a lot about David Bowie. So let's mm-hmm. start there. Besides his and um, dance, magic dance. Right? I mean, come on. That cod piece for a children's show. Holy shit. Right. That's what I took away from yeah. David Bowie. The art is amazing. The um, I'll talk about the art here in the moment. My critique, well, let's talk about how fun the art is. Going back through, I looked up other things of David Bowie over the years after reading through this book. Mm-hmm. And what a stellar job. Yeah. You look at this things, it, it captures the essence and the tone. So fantastic. And the way it um, things change, but reference is still the same. And everything's going through here, the um, different ways the art is laid out. Mm-hmm. And yet it goes right there. I mean, they do a wonderful job of, I don't want to say straight lace, David, but you know, less out there. Yeah. Bowie. Did the you, more you, you out get there, a Bowie. sense of his evolution. Right. And the more out there he gets, the more the um, artwork adapts to that as well as being mm-hmm. out there versus as he comes back down again. All of that was a great time going through. The and it was a very art-driven book. Yeah, yeah. Now, it, um, the challenge this book has, it goes through basically his whole career. It felt like a book report. Oh, interesting. Okay. As I was going through this, it felt like a, uh, not Wikipedia page type, but it was almost like, let's do a summary of this guy's life. And it was a little bit of leaping from event to event to event of highlights. You're taking my points. <laughs> okay. That's, so, that's, that's, that's totally fine. Keep going, Todd. <laughs> no, no, no. So, as going through here is, the art's fantastic. I learned a whole bunch about David Bowie. And it's like, oh, we were going through this guy's life. It's like, what's the story? Oh, we went through the career of David Bowie. It's like, oh, what's going on here? I'm like, well, no, 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 no. That was it. Yeah. I mean, and, right. And I think you're you're valid on that. Um, one of the things I liked about it, though, is, is it sort of, for me, there's two things. One, it felt very presentational, where you sort of mm-hmm. had um, almost like, uh, it reminded me of, uh, um, Lana will appreciate this, reminded me of Gross Indecency in the sense of like you'd have a scene where you'd have like the full band on stage but each one would be saying a different part of like where they were there's like the drummer saying Mm -hmm. you know hello Manchester whatever so there was sort of like this theatrical presentational aspect of it but it also like it referenced time forward and backwards like you would see glimpses as to what would happen to him in the future you would see glimpses back as to how things were um, sure uh, inspired I also like the fact that it sort of showed his connection to the pop culture around him and how he took that idea made it his own and then moved forward with it so like yeah yeah, the story, it's just David Bowie's life and it is sort of an autobiography, but the presentation of it, I think, is actually the fascinating part of the way this book is created. And I think kind of, not to say that David Bowie wasn't a good storyteller, but he was very much about the image um, as part of his storytelling uh, technique. So I think there's something really interesting and, co- and, and connected to those two things. Sure. If that makes any sort of sense whatsoever, that might have been art school blathering, but that was sort of my vibe. I can definitely see that. Okay. It was just where it's um, it was interesting as someone that was not a big fan or a big, you know, Bowie fan to begin with going through it is it seems if you are a Bowie fan this is like oh this is my jam yeah and I am great? a Bowie fan and I fucking loved it so I, and isn't I, I will this take thing great on that as, for sure as someone I mean if you had asked me before it's like what's the most famous Bowie song I know it's actually the one with Nine Inch Nails and the I'm Afraid of Americans yeah that's the one I reference more than anything else when mm-hmm. I think of David Bowie and it was fine but I'm like this seems to be a book for the fans um I don't think you're wrong there but so 
So, but yeah. others speak. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Lana, what are your thoughts? Um, I got halfway through it and had to put on Zach because mm-hmm. I was very excited about it. So, I am not like a diehard Bowie fan, but I do love David Bowie. So, um, you know, Todd, you bring up the, the one song that you love. Uh, Golden Years is really my favorite. And let me guess, song. A Knight's Tale, right? Well, yes, it's in A Knight's okay. Tale, but it's not oh, because I, of A Knight's Tale. I, I know a lot of people who, who became aware of that song because of that movie. So, that was no. my, uh, no, just but judging by the what? demographic, that was my guess. But the thing that I do love about it is that mm-hmm. when you first see it in the movie, yeah. they tied it in so perfectly with the like um, the music of the time, mm-hmm. and then it transitions so perfectly into Golden Years. But no, I I um, was not. My parents weren't big Bowie fans, um, but I just by happenstance had friends that were that were big in it. Though I listened to a lot of stuff before I really knew much about him. So, mm-hmm. um, but Golden Years has I I think it's, it just sound, it's just a good like I don't know. It's like a good song. Anyway, um, I had to turn on music, so I was listening to, um, to you know, and like let's dance. I mean, actually, by one of the other ones that I love, which is terrible, and it actually fits in with the all of the different people that do mm-hmm. and how they influence him and everything. Is that stupid cover that he did with Mick Jagger in the eighties? Oh, uh, dancing in the street. Dancing in the streets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And the two of them basically having a seizure in the middle of a ro- like street. Yeah. Like, it was just you know Mick Jagger being Mick Jagger and everything yeah. but like those are the things that were coming up for me I agree Todd it very much felt like a book report it was here's the date here's everything here's where it falls within the timeline of other pop culture that's happening um but I did like the little things that said like they played here and Freddie Mercury and um oh god the drummer from Queen oh um uh Roger Taylor right yeah I'm like I'm thinking of Brian and I'm like no Brian is the no, guitar. Brian, <laughs> no, <laughs> Brian is, is not <laughs> <laughs> Brian May, that's the name I was thinking of. But yes, I yeah, was wrong. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Uh, Brian May has a beautiful... Uh, oh, uh, quite a quaff, for sure. Yes. Um. Anyway, I like that they... That the one thing I did like was those little pieces. And it was... And I, even, I think they even said, like, he and Elvis shared a birthday. And mm-hmm. uh, so those things I really did like. But it definitely felt like a book report. And the fact that it was like, here's all the different pieces. And it kind of gave you a glimpse into stuff. But it definitely stopped at a point. Mm-hmm. And then... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the end of his life was very much as pictures. Yeah. So um, I did like the fact that they did that. The last page was all from his last album and everything. Like right before he died, you know, was nice. So I was like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't look the when it was published. Mm-hmm. I knew it had to be somewhat recently because we could only get it in hardback. But yeah, um, if you're a fan, it's great mm-hmm. and it gives you insight as to like timeline. Like there's a lot of stuff I didn't realize that songs came out at the same time mm-hmm. that I was like, I didn't realize that changes came out at this point I didn't yeah. really like and so it's mm-hmm. so the timeline with with certain songs um I just thought they you know that there was a different way that he kind of got there and it was definitely uh, a little bit more eye open that so yeah mm-hmm. uh cool Adam what are your um uh, you're, you're drinking real fast uh what are your thoughts Adam well since everyone stole my points now um, I'm sorry <laughs> no no you're fine <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm very much with so as far as being a David Bowie fan my, my first experience was Labyrinth mm-hmm. which we already discussed and I had no clue who David Bowie was and when you're like 10 11 years old it's a very strange movie to watch because yeah, you absolutely. just hear oh it's the Henson thing this and yeah. that which now I absolutely love Labyrinth and shameless plug we covered it on uh, Cinema Queens and it actually was a very emotional good episode because mm-hmm. uh, my roommate at the time Sierra that's like one of her favorite movies if not favorite movie and we got some really good conversations and discussions out of it so if you want to go listen to that 
that. It's it's up there. <clears throat> um, but the whole time I was reading this, I couldn't help but feel how Todd did that. I felt like I was reading a Wikipedia article or a or a book report because it was very much. And then this happened. And then this happened. And then this happened. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is one of those books where there. It seems like there's very little dialogue. It's very much, uh, and there is a decent amount of dialogue. But there, especially for the first third, I would say, it is very much that you know story timeline of where he went. And I couldn't help but think of when we did the fifth beat last week as we're comparing you know his life to brian epstein and one of the things we brought up last time was a lot of this may have been true may have been imagination like especially the the conversation he had with john lennon on the beach mm-hmm. about you know who yeah. you find attractive type thing <clears throat> and i kind of wish that we could find a book and i'm sure there's one out there we just haven't seen it yet that's like a, a perfect mesh of the two to where you've got the dialogue you've got a little bit of probably some fictional stuff because we don't we weren't there we, we don't know what happened uh, kind of like the apostles with the gospels of the bible but that's a different story uh combined with the history of what happened and i'm right with lena it was really cool to like understand oh this happened then and i didn't realize this was happening at the same time this was and this song yeah. came out here we just kind of know mostly the classic songs and then the, the bowie fans will know the rest of them but i i really did feel this was like reading a book report and less like reading a graphic novel mm-hmm. that being said though i i had a lot of fun with it i enjoyed it it was great to see you know where things came from kind of his beginnings and the funny thing for me was i thought this was going to be more about the entire life of bowie i didn't realize it was just more the ziggy stardust uh yeah. era which is kind of funny because i look at the back of the book and it says you know the rise of david bowie from obscurity to obscurity to superstardom and the rise and fall of ziggy stardust so it kind of mm-hmm. tells you right there like hey this is just that part of his life well i think uh, the album is actually called the rise and fall of ziggy stardust isn't it and i believe so. yeah. Lena, yeah. Lena knows more than i do about this yeah. uh because for me one of my favorite bowie songs and memory is under pressure <clears throat> what she did mm-hmm. with freddie mercury yeah but for a different reason that for me it's because you know uh you know brian and i we we both know jimmy really well mm-hmm. <clears throat> and todd you, um, you met him and stuff but that was a song that every single time we went to karaoke he and maya who used to be on the show would always do a duet yeah every single time and it was always with jimmy doing the bowie part and then maya would do the freddie mercury part so that was something that i heard forever at least once weekly and one of my favorite videos i recorded which actually got used in Jimmy's memorial service, which was kind of cool, was he and Maya singing Under Pressure. So mm-hmm. for me, there's a lot of memories of Bowie that are very, very personal. And I'm sure lots of fans have that same kind of idea. And it would have been kind of fun to go see after the Ziggy Stardust thing to see how he got involved with Freddie Mercury. And like, yeah, there's there's shots of him with, you know, uh, Freddie Mercury, with Elton John, with Bob Dylan, with all these people that he helped influence and who influenced him. Uh, but yeah, in the long run, I, I think I would have liked more of a story and less of an encyclopedia article. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm also with Todd. Like the art's f- absolutely fantastic. It drives the story forward in more ways than a lot of comics do, and yeah. it was thoroughly enjoyable. I just I kind of wanted a bit more, and I yeah. wanted it more of a story instead of bullet points. Yeah, I can see where you're kind of going with that. Um, one of the things, I mean, and this just might be my perception of it, but I always yeah. sort of perceive Bowie as being like the Ziggy Stardust thing, and then his career, like his music, still keeps going, and he still is producing good stuff, but his private life becomes more private. And I think of him, and and so that's sort of how the book sort of coincided with me as well as like he, he becomes this character and he gets to the top and then once people are discovering that he's going to be creating multiple characters then his private life becomes more private as he's developing these things um, and so that's sort of tied into that as well the other thing that's interesting and I don't know how I don't remember how much they really tie into this in the book I don't think they do it um, about the time I was reading this um, initially uh, before I reread it for the show I was listening to a podcast about uh, Iggy Pop and the Stooges and uh, the one of the things I realized is all my favorite Iggy Pop songs 
songs were written by David Bowie. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of fucking sense. Uh, I was like, okay, that, that all makes sense. Like, the, the, But it was kind of cool, though, was this idea that David Bowie was inspired by uh, by um, Iggy and the Stooges. And then Iggy and the Stooges are like basically broken up. Iggy's on heroin. And Bowie, because he loved this guy, cleans him up, gets him, like, records a few albums with him, helps produce all the shit, like, basically saves Iggy Pop's career. Um, and it was just kind of like this, this cool thing, like, of, like, a guy being like, yeah, you inspired me and I'm still going to take care of you. And, like, I don't know. It's still a Bowie memory I have, aside from the labyrinth, is I love his cameo in Zoolander. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite little pop-ups. Yes, that was amazing. The, uh, the turn-off or the, the the catwalk challenge or whatever they call it. I don't remember anymore. But, yeah. Well, and what's kind of funny is, is for a more modern take on Bowie helping clean up Iggy, Iggy Pop was we look at Robert Downey Jr. and all oh, yeah. the shit he mm-hmm. was going through in the 90s where he was, you know, into cocaine and drugs and all that kind of fun stuff. And then he got clean, came back to Hollywood, and he's like, no one's going to give me a fucking second chance. Mm-hmm. And then Shane Black put him in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. One of my then, favorite movies. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. That's, you know, it was mm-hmm. for me, Shane Black's only made one bad movie, and that was the new Predator movie, but that's a different story. Uh, and then we look at, you know, where did Robert Downey Jr. go from there? Like, well, his next movie was a little small indie film called Iron Man. Yeah. And, right. Which yeah, no one so. expected anything of him. They were worried as fuck about him. Like they no. were really mm-hmm. nervous about putting Robert Downey Jr. in that movie. Not uh, to mention the fact that Iron Man's a D-level character. Yeah, or well, was. But but here's the thing that makes me laugh though is that he really it, like he is Tony Stark. Oh, absolutely. Like, they they oh yeah. As soon as as soon as they announced that it, that they casted Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, I went. Well, actually, that yep. actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. That works. I, yeah, it I works. had the same reaction. My favorite yeah. is like I was watching something. If, there's a documentary I know it's on Disney Plus I don't remember which one I was watching but one of the Marvel documentaries they actually show um, Robert Downey Jr. screen testing for that and you're like yeah. this guy's a pretty well known actor the fact that he was screen testing is kind of amazing but that's where his career was at that point in time yeah. you know which mm-hmm. is very interesting uh, and then Shane Black did Iron Man 3 so kind of a you know pay it back and forth oh yeah absolutely which people don't well, like and I think is absolutely brilliant and I actually call that movie Tony Stark 1 because <laughs> 99% of the movie is just Tony Stark so absolutely yeah yeah. Some of my takeaways here is uh, Lena liked the pop-up video bits about the things coming through. Yes! Right? That's oh a good description God, of that, God, yes. That's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It is. It should have that. They should even have that that sound effect. That right there. Like, whoop, did you know this happened yeah. here? Uh, that's really great. And uh, as um, Adam brought up, I think what the fifth Beatle did better is the, what's challenging with the Beatles is the Beatles oozed personality. Mm-hmm. And with the way this one was done is you definitely had the images here and of him and as the performer but I didn't feel I got the personality of oh, okay yeah I see what you're saying coming through here but I mean there and there doesn't need to be a lot of dialogue I think the one that like spelt out the personality best with the Beatles though is you know meeting Brian's like oh you're late he's like I'm not late leader of the band yeah never be late the other one's like no I'm not late I'm George what about mm-hmm. Paul it's like oh he's getting claimed yeah he's late mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it came across so well and everything else and there was wasn't that moment wasn't there in here for me? Okay, and I think that might be it. The um, the art's amazing mm-hmm. artistically. Oh, yeah. This one is leaps and bounds above the other one, and they're shooting for different things. Mm-hmm. But this one, uh, technically, is as I'm pointing at the thing that none of you can see in this audio only <laughs> event, yeah, is fantastic. I like the Beatle better. I'll okay. read that one again. I'm not sure I'll read this one again. Okay, so, if you're if you're a Bowie fan, it's a this is for you. Thing. This is totally for you. And yeah. it would be yeah. it would, it's a great gift for somebody who is a who's a big Bowie fan um, and everything. I'm really glad that I that I have it. I may not 
not pull it out, but it's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I got mine off Amazon and it like 15 or dollars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, prime and everything. I got it in like a day. So mm-hmm. like, it's not a huge investment. And if you like Bowie, it's totally worth it. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing I actually kind of wanted to touch on that I, I, cause no. there's been a lot of discussion about his sexuality. You know, was he gay? Yeah. Was he straight? Was he bi? And it all goes back to the interview in 1972 where he's like, I'm gay and always have been. Mm-hmm. And then the one cool thing in the book, and I wish you go find the page again, was it shows his saying it and then it shows his thing saying, hey, that was the worst mistake I ever made. And then him as a, you know, much older adult saying, I can't remember the exact words he said. It was basically saying that, you know, hey, it wasn't that big of a deal or it was important that I said that. Mm-hmm. So when he passed away, it was all of a sudden lots of people in the LGBT community were like trying to hop on and be like, oh, he's gay. He's, you know, he's bi. He's this yeah. and that. And right. I think the one of the biggest things that you take away from him is that he was actually there's a great uh quote let me find it here it was a um it was a trans singer who was talking about this guy justin vivian bond clarified that mr bowie was not an activist in the traditional sense instead he provided a soundtrack and visuals which reshaped our world in other words he was not a campaigner for gay rights but his art complemented a larger fight for acceptance and civil rights because there's a part you know he was very gender fluid in how he did things i mean if we look at especially ziggy stardust Mm -hmm. i mean that's Mm -hmm. uh it's so much so that in the first season of american gods jillian anderson plays david bowie as a androgynous figure as the you know as the uh ziggy stardust character and it's just as sexy as when date bowie did it yeah and in the book it talks about when he was in america on a tour where people were going to beat him up for being a homo because he was wearing clothes that weren't traditionally male centric it was like i don't know if it was a dress or it was like a um like a long coat but something that you wouldn't traditionally see a man wear so again there's going to be a discussion ad nauseum about if he was gay straight by and i mean he did marry two women he had kids and you never really said anything aside from that one interview in 1972 but I, I think either which way you look at it you know if he was a straight man who decided to defy gender norms and do this you know sometimes androgynous sometimes even more female character how amazing is that that you had someone who was that famous and that much of an icon I mean, for mm-hmm. his whole life even though you know maybe Ziggy Stardust and I think we can arguably say was the height of his fame he still made this this impact he still set a footprint down that resonates with everyone I mean you had people who when he died were sad they weren't even big fans they were just like they knew him from labyrinth or they knew him from yeah he was changes. a cultural icon in, exactly regardless of how you want to look at it yeah yeah so how cool is that that at a time when you know uh lgbt people were, were looked down with such uh with such persecution and such a target on their back as far as in some places i, I think even in the uk at this point in time you can still be arrested for being gay I, I don't quote me on that you know that was kind of ties into the brian epstein story with the fifth beetle but he's like i don't give a shit i'm gonna do this deal with it if you don't like me i don't care and i mm-hmm. think very much so that he took that idea of of gender queer gender fluid almost and made it recognizable as far as hey this might be kind of an oddity pun intended uh mm-hmm. but i'm gonna run with it and, and guess what the world's gonna buy all my shit and i'm gonna make a statement whether or not he was trying to or was trying to i couldn't tell you but he did it and yeah. i can guarantee you he had a bigger impact on the lgbt community than a lot of people have just because of the fact of his desire to be who he wanted to be and you know what? if you don't like it fuck you well, right it was i'll say one thing adam the one thing that I noticed when the, in that kind of piece where he's like made that statement and then it showed the little block in the different years of him going then other interviewers referencing that mm-hmm. and having an answer for it he went from saying it to like I think it was like 1978 being like that's the best thing I've ever said and then in 83 saying it's the worst thing I've ever said mm-hmm. which I found really interesting because in the early 80s is when AIDS was mass 
offensive. And there was yeah. that huge, I mean, massive, massive backlash, even more so than we you know in the in the gay community before. So I found that really interesting that he makes a statement in the early 70s. In the late 70s, he's like, yeah, best thing I ever said. And then the early 80s, he flips. And then you get into the later part of his life where he's like, yeah, I think I was trying to make a point, but I don't really know what that point was. And so I just thought that the timeline really interesting when when um, when that was brought up. See, now I'm flipping through the book because I want that exact quote now. <laughs> but it doesn't, like, but it doesn't dive into, it, it's very, like, this was what happened. And this is, there was no, like, background as to why he said it. But it gives you, so the timeline you can infer, like, I can infer a certain way, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that, that was exactly what it meant. It could have been his manager being like, they're going to bring this up and you, you know, you're not going to sell stuff if they this or, you know, mm-hmm. things may mm-hmm. have changed or uh, those, that's why it's just, it's, you know, or it's just he got older and he was like yeah, I, was, I was an idiot saying to date it like you have no idea and so it just it was very um here's everything that happened and the dates that it happened with and that was it but that that timeline specifically was very interesting. so this is the exact uh the page uh you know january 22nd 72 i'm gay and always have been <clears throat> 78 probably the best thing i ever said 83 the biggest mistake i ever made and 93 it w- wasn't something i was comfortable with at all but it had to be done and then the question of you know his back in the 70s publicity stunt oh i couldn't say so that's the thing do we do we really know i mean there, there's hearsay out there mm-hmm. and i'm sure if we have lgbt listeners who listen to us i'm sure we do that might be yelling at their you know their phones right now being like fuck at them. but <laughs> it was a one-time thing he said and never really talked about it much after that except for those two things and it's interesting Lana, you brought up the whole thing 83 with aids coming out was that uh he was obviously friends with freddie mercury and elton john so i'm sure he was worried about them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know uh, freddie mercury was diagnosed in 1987 so this was a few years after that conversation, but I can see how someone who is in the public eye who would have said that, and all of a sudden this horrible, you know, I think it was called the gay cancer when it came out. People are dying. I'm sure people he knew, because obviously from his lifestyle, he wouldn't care if someone was gay or not. I mean, he's mm-hmm. best friends with all these people who were. Uh, yeah, that would be a, have been a scary thing to have said, like, hey, back in the day I said this. And even if he did mean it, just to come out and be like, oh, I didn't mean it. You know, it's, right. it would make sense because a couple years later, Freddie Mercury dies of it. Yeah. And it, back then it was the death sentence we that it isn't now i mean nowadays there's there's medication for it and everything else but it was it was kind of interesting that it touched on it and then didn't but again when i was reading this i totally forgot about the fact that this did end when ziggy stardust went away this was just bowie's rise to fame how ziggy stardust affected it and then when ziggy kind of went away so yeah um that brings up something i think a a point that i was gonna make to something that todd said uh, as i think about it i can't tell you what what bowie's personality was outside of the characters he created for the stage and for his albums like i kind of know what the beatles personalities were like because that was shown on film and on television mm-hmm. other than bowie being sort of like this glam rock god who was creating these characters i don't know if i could really tell you his personality like he felt for me he almost felt like a canvas that he would create characters on but i don't know who he was as like an individual person really does i mean does anybody mm-hmm. have any sort of general ideas about that or is that just am i i just I, think he's very straight laced i think that he's mm-hmm. very creative and i think you're right it's, it's very much like um robert De Niro. Yeah. You see Robert De Niro, I mean, he's gotten better as he's gotten older, but if you mm-hmm. watch old <laughs> interviews with him, yeah. he just has no idea. He has no personality at all. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason that he's such a good actor is because he is that kind of, not blank canvas, but he is he is able to morph into these characters because the, he doesn't really have 
have this massively big personality of his own. Mm-hmm. Whereas Beatles, they 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 weren't playing characters. They weren't yeah. doing something. They were just them, and they were these big goofballs that. And you know, that was part mm-hmm. of their appeal and part of what drove yeah. their and success. Huge, and, yeah, I mean, and they were yeah. great, and that was like that was their whole thing. And but I think with Bowie, I think one of the things that that I and kind of even he had even mentioned bringing up Ziggy like even long before like Ziggy came a thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he creates these characters because it gives him that freedom to not be him. So yeah. he creates that personality. Um, so there isn't anything behind it. It's just her and it just it it feigns that that personality. Well, um, and on top of that, I've seen interviews with him uh-huh. just as him. Yeah. And he is very kind of straight laced and he answers and he's extremely smart and well spoken and mm-hmm. he's you know he's great. I wonder if you know even the comment that he made in terms of the the whole uh you know I'm gay and I always have been well, was that David Bowie speaking or was that the Stardust? Mm-hmm. I haven't answered all this now. I've done research. Okay. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh he was interviewed uh by Blender back in 2002 and they were asking about you know saying he was gay or bisexual was the biggest mistake he ever made. Do you still believe that? His quote was interesting. I don't think it was a mistake in Europe, but it was a lot tougher in America. I had no problem with people knowing I was bisexual, but I had no inclination to hold any banners or be a representative for any group of people. I knew what I wanted to be, which was a songwriter and a performer, and I felt that my bisexuality became my headline over here for so long. America is a very puritanical place, and I think it stood in the way of so much I wanted to do. So he did come out. Oh, interesting. So I apologize for my little tirade I went on (laughs) a couple minutes ago, because I wasn't aware of that interview. Yeah, so to to that point, his answer to that question could have had a lot to do with where he was being interviewed and where he was spending most of his time as a resident at that point in time in his life, yeah. which would explain why he would change his, his opinion yeah, and his, statement. His opinion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of your point a little bit, Lena, it kind of occurs to me that you have to be a very, as a performer, significantly lack in ego to be able to pull off what David Bowie did, because any other actor would create, or performer would create this character of Ziggy Stardust, see that it gets him fame, create a different character afterwards. When it didn't reach the heights that Ziggy Stardust did, they'd immediately go back to the well and try to do Ziggy Stardust again. And to my knowledge, he never went back to Ziggy Stardust. You know what I mean? Like, you have to not have, you have to have um, enough belief in your artistic talent, but also not enough ego to be able to put all that aside and move on and do something else, which I think is just really interesting. Um, sure. Yeah. Maybe I just work with too many egotistical actors, but like, that just seems a little shocking to me to have a performer. Actors are egotistical? Can... Don't, I no, know. no, fuck off. Well, and, and band members are weird too. Like, I don't know, musicians, singers, they're all fucking weird. Well, creatives um, are all weird. And that's, yeah. that's the height, that's the best thing and the worst thing about them. But yeah. no, I agree. I think that, you know, it is interesting that he didn't go back. It wasn't, he mm-hmm. was like, this is, you know, and even um, that whole thing where it started at their last concert, where he's like, this is it. This is our last one ever. And it's yeah. because Ziggy was, you know, Ziggy was dead. It was yeah. over. And I think that that's so amazing because, you know, he had, he was, he had this massive fame. Everyone loved him. Everyone, you know, he, he was really kind of at the top. And then he was like, all right, time to move on to something else, yep. do something different. And I just think that's wonderful. But I think that might be why the the personality came out in the music. The personality came out in the clothing and the makeup and the, mm-hmm. and the look. Yeah. I don't think there was personality inherently a part of him. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I, I kind of agree with you because I, I can't think of like knowing what his, I, I can think of his statements that he's made. I can think of um, his artistic image, but I can't think of like, I mean, maybe I just have to do more research, but I just can't think of like, you know, his but personality. It reminds me, and they even, t- they, and Alice Cooper was brought up in this. Yeah. Alice Cooper is another one where he has this like bigger than life personality on stage and he has mm-hmm. all the makeup and the hat and the leather and the black mm-hmm. and the everything. And then when you see interviews with him, yeah. 
Yeah. He is super one of the chill. Most well-spoken, yeah. super intelligent, unbelievably nice man that you'll ever t- and, and you just and he loves to golf and he yeah. goes and he yeah. goes, you know, he's this you see him when he's not his Alice Cooper. Yeah. He's yeah. not Alice right. Cooper. He's in like he looks like a dad. Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, I'm going to golf. And he like everybody that I know that has met him or has had some kind of interaction with him says say that he is just like one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. And then you see him on stage and it's like him? Yeah. Really? Him. Okay. So it's I saw Alice Cooper on stage. He opened for Rob Zombie. That they've they've toured together a few times actually, which is a brilliant bill. Yeah. So yeah, he opened for Rob Zombie and people's like, You wanna go? I was like, I've never seen Alice Cooper. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, there's actually just speaking of Alice Cooper, we're a little off topic, but that's okay. There's yeah. a documentary that I, I I watched because a friend of mine is uh in this camp. There's a documentary called Hired Gun where they talk about musicians that are hired to go on tour with certain bands and things like that. And they actually follow they talk the, the funny thing is is that like the guy from Filter comes off as a total fucking asshole. That's that's one of the sure. other funny side notes. But one of the interesting things they talk about is that Alice Cooper demands a lot of his musicians, but once they play with him for a little while, they end up going and forming or becoming part of like really big popular of the moment bands. And he's more than happy to let them go. He's like, Great, you're talented, go enjoy it, do whatever. Like just very like he'll bring you on the road and he'll, you know, treat you as well as he possibly can. And then when you know you want to go do something else, he's like, Great, have fun. It was great working with you. You're always welcome back. See how it goes. You know what I mean? It was just sure very interesting in, in that respect. But yeah. And see the uh, the Alice Cooper thing where he's a persona on stage and then in real life he's so different. Really reminds me of Kesha, which might be kind of a leap, but uh so Kesha's albums the, the first couple ones were known about drinking, partying, boys, yeah. all this kind of fun stuff. Right. But that was all what the 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 uh record companies wanted her to do because she was this hot chick with blonde hair and everything else. So that's like oh this will sell records. When in reality she was a very smart person. She really can sing really well. I mean have you ever oh, seen yeah. any of her YouTube stuff like she's can play piano, she's talented. Well she had a career as a, a songwriter like a well before she became a um like a, a star like a headline. Oh yeah kind of yeah so. and so she did uh you know she she would go and she'd audit college classes for fun mm-hmm. just because she wanted mm-hmm. more, more stuff and then she came out with Rainbow where she was telling her story about what happened and you know everyone knows the song Praying mm-hmm. uh, and this was after her big fight with the record exec who was sexually harassing her she went to court for it the judge decided against her because of her contract and she showed like hey this is what I can do and I, I went and saw her uh, live a couple years ago right after the album came out and I may have brought this up before but I was very very impressed in the sense that you've not heard Kesha until you've seen her perform live mm-hmm. because I was expecting oh it's auto-tune this and that blah 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 they retool all of her songs when it's played live to sound like a punk rock show oh interesting like she's up yeah. there rocking out it's heavy metal it's guitars it's punk riffs and sounds nothing like what you've heard on the radio or her album so if you mm-hmm. get a chance to see Kesha live like that's the real artist it's not you know the the you know drinking you know brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack yeah that song's there mm-hmm. but it's not that's not her and I think it's been really cool to see where she's gone grown as an artist and gone through and then all the shit with her with her record exec happened like right before me too mm-hmm. when people were still about you know oh well let's not believe the victims and this and that but uh, yeah Alice Cooper's a great thing though because like you said like people have been like no he's real well spoken educated uh, the problem with Alice Cooper which I've seen in a uh, I don't know I think it was an autobiography I think it was like VH1 behind the music was that for a while there he was letting the Alice Cooper persona lead into his personal life and he became that hardcore drinker partier yeah I, if i believe correctly mm-hmm. he's still sober like he went full I think sober he is, alcohol. Actually. yeah yeah. yeah he realized this wasn't who i am this is this persona that i'm become uh but yeah the, the thing with with bowie going back to the actual topic of the yeah of, of this episode was that he kind of he was still in the public eye but i don't really recall 
scandals. I don't recall, no. like, it's not, I mean, he met his second wife in the 90s, and they were married for 25 plus years until he passed away, and he was very private about that. He didn't let... Amon? Uh, I believe yeah. so, yeah. I, I had it on Wikipedia. See, I knew yeah, she that. was a, a model turned actress. She's actually in a Bond movie. Yeah, wasn't she, uh, I mean, Wikipedia helped She's me. nine feet tall. She's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. She is like even now, gorgeous. like she has aged beautifully. Like yes, she's no. gorgeous. <laughs> she, she made the Jennifer Aniston deal with the devil. Uh, somewhere I mean, so did David, a, so you know. Yeah. yeah, he looks great till the end. Yes, somewhere in the attic, there's pictures of them getting uglier. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. It was it, the thing with him is that w- when he passed away, again being such a private person, like no one seemed to knew that know that he was sick. Same thing yeah. with Chadwick Boseman. Like no one knew mm-hmm. until it's like, oh shit, he was dying of cancer. I mean, he was he made Black Panther and the other movies. I think he was stayed two at the time though no one had a clue what was going on and if you watch the, the last movie he did Ma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom you can kind of see that he's he's thinner he's not quite as well looking as he was in, in like Black Panther and stuff and that just could have been because that was the role but that's always kind of the thing with these people who pass away it's like you don't always know what's going on and people who do have a way to live privately uh, like Michael Crichton Michael Crichton's probably my favorite author and when he passed away suddenly I was like what the fuck I didn't know he was even sick mm-hmm. uh, because for some people that's what they that's what they want to do they, they want they understand they've got their professional lives and their private lives and i try to keep mine very very disparate to where people have no clue what's going on in the other because that's not really their business and sure I mean, hell like i saw people who are close friends who think i still work at best buy i'm like <laughs> honey that was four years ago <laughs> uh but i kind of I, I like that i like someone who was such an icon and such a important figure in music and fashion and everything else but still managed to be himself and have that life that no one needed to see but him and his family and close friends and i think that's kind of a problem we see with celebrities these days is that everyone wants to be on the front page of every single thing and then get pissed off like oh well you saw me naked in my bed with a prostitute it's like well dude like you posed for it we saw you well it kind of reminds me a lot of like and it's um not in music but it's actor joseph gordon levitt mm-hmm. love him right he's wonderful. Oh, exactly yeah and you and he got married but he and his wife are very they've been together they were together for years before they got married um and he's only talked about her once or twice in her she might show up premiere but usually he walks the carpet alone like he is very it is like this is my personal life and I do this because this is a part of my job but it is very much that same thing where it's you just don't hear anything about it it's the same thing with even like Tom Hanks mm-hmm. you know who his wife is like it's mm-hmm. the same thing with David Bowie and Amon you would you would see them on the red carpet and they were this beautiful freaking couple and, and everything but you never really heard about them otherwise they weren't going out right. doing stupid shit they weren't there wasn't fights that you would see there wasn't stuff on in on like social media about the and they would like Amon has a, a social media like has social media and everything mm-hmm. if you post stuff but like it's very curated and very you know this is what we're presenting to the world and yes we're a family and we love each other but that's us. that's our time this is mm-hmm. that has nothing to do so it is it is wonderful to see someone who was such a part of you know pop culture and there isn't this like he had this total downfall and mm-hmm. then he and then everything exploded and then he had to come back and it was this whole thing where it's like no he was just a really creative guy that just went all right I created this character and now the character's done now it's time to move on to the next thing and he's mm-hmm. always kind of been a part of like he, he's kind of like Paul McCartney right now mm-hmm. where he just kind of like pops up every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> and you feel great and you're like
like, oh, I love this. This is really good. And you realize how much you love him. And then you start listening to old music and the Beatles and everything. And there's no big controversies that happen with it. It's just, he lived his life and then he mm-hmm. died and ever, and then you look back and you're like, oh my God, he just, you, you, you look at the breadth of, of music and everything that he did in his life. And you're like, oh, there's no like rehab or. <laughs> yeah. Well, and He's to Todd's point, or, yeah, you know, well, and like, right. guys, nice, boring guys are boring stories. And that might be why there isn't like, it is like a book report. Sure. He probably was just a good dude. He was just like, well, this is his work and this is what he presented. And like, okay. Well, from like, reading up on it, you know, I, from what I saw, Bowie did struggle with alcohol. So okay. he did have, you know, one of those demons in his life. But what's interesting is going back to what Lane was saying about, you know, this is my job. This is this. I'm not going doing stupid things on the internet or well, internet now, but paparazzi back in the day. All I could think about was the whole reason why that Orlando Bloom and Justin Bieber's nudes got quote unquote leaked because the paparazzi were out there. They were both on vacation and for whatever reason, they were naked and got pictures taken. <clears throat> and there was the Together? outrage. No, no, it was separate. Uh, Katy Perry was dating Orlando Bloom at the time and they were like kayaking and he was naked for some reason. And then there's another picture that released around the same time of Justin Bieber in a pool or somewhere. And so people were like, oh, they were in their private thing, this and that. No, they got into a pissing match over who could have the better nudes leaked by the paparazzi. They both knew they were there mm-hmm. and purposely did it. Yeah. To like, and I think Katy Perry actually dumped Orlando Bloom because of it. Like, yeah. I, but it was it was tried to be like, oh, look what the paparazzi did. Let's blame them. When it's like, no, this was orchestrated by the the people who were subjects of the of the uh, the photos. Uh, but the one thing I will say is, you know, Orlando Bloom. You know, we know him from many different things. Most likely Pirates of the Caribbean or uh, Lord of the Rings. The one thing I will say in Justin Bieber's defense is, you know, he became popular when he was like what 14, 14, 15, doing like right. YouTube videos. And as someone who is you're in a formative stage of your life and all of a sudden all the success all this money all this fame hits you and then you're surrounded by yes men i mean as much as we were teenagers and hated the fact that our parents said no to us if they wouldn't have they said yes to everything and go do whatever the fuck you want of course you're going to go into adulthood with a stunted growth and stunted maturity and everything else and when you've got someone whose parent is addicted to the fame and is pushing you along and you're surrounded by people who say yeah go to this go to this you're fine like you're so cool thank you for letting me be part of your group and this and that of course you're gonna get inner life fucked up and you're gonna go do stupid shit and all the things that he did and like i'm not really a big justin bieber fan i will be honest he has some good songs but i kind of felt sorry for him in the sense that dude this kid got fucked up in his teenage years he had the Mm -hmm. whole child star thing that we've seen happen so many times because you get surrounded by yes men or yes women britney spears yeah yeah i still need to go like watch that documentary because i've I've heard all about it but i haven't watched it her story is heartbreaking freaking heartbreaking but it's it's that same kind of thing i just think it's 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 nice to see somebody that everyone knows that everyone uh, that you can that we re- you read through this and it's like he may have had issues with alcoholism but I don't think that it was anything that that there wasn't like this massive downfall it wasn't like Elton John who literally just like he was on so much so many drugs and so much alcohol and so much everything that he couldn't function and mm-hmm. people knew about it you could see mm-hmm. it you could see things happening where they had to literally he literally had to go away mm-hmm. <laughs> get himself clean and come back it's you know here's this person who even when they talked about his girlfriends at the beginning where he was like well he lived with this one and then he moved out and he lived with this one and it's like was there drama there possibly but it may not have been it could have just been like she was like you're a musician that's not making any money you can go <laughs> yeah or you're gone all the time on tour and i you know met somebody else here and whatever you know yeah so it's it's one of those things where it was like even when he was cheating then you come to find out that the girl the girlfriend and the girl that he was sleeping with 
end up becoming friends, which mm-hmm. by the way cracks me up. And like, so then it's just like, even I can't imagine you, what that's like. Even shut up. There ends up not being drama, so it's uh, yeah. just it's really interesting that like I wonder too, Todd, if you're right. There's mm-hmm. there's no personality in this because the personality and and you even said it. The art is beautiful. Personality yeah. is in the look. It's in that's the presentation right. of everything. So maybe that's what we're supposed the to point. be getting out of it. Yeah. Cool. I think that's a good place to let this go. And see, uh, we took it further than we thought it would. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, cool. Pop up video. Pop up video. Oh my god, no, Todd, that was a perfect. Perfect. Oh my god. Uh, Cool. Well, Lena, what is your grade? Uh, I say if you're a Bowie fan, you'll like it. So as a Bowie fan, I say A. Okay. I'm also a Bowie fan, so I'll say A. But for the curmudgeon among us, Mr. Todd. This is going to make an awesome gift to a Bowie fan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To a non-Bowie fan, what's your grade? B. Okay, it's still not bad. It's not bad. Uh, Mr. Adam. So we're going to grade this on two scales. So yes, as a Bowie fan, Mm -hmm. it's an A. However, as someone who is a Bowie and comics fan, I'm going to give it a B plus because okay. of the fact that I think it's an interesting story. It's really fun seeing, like, I didn't know why his eyes were messed up. I didn't realize mm-hmm. he had one that was, like, permanently dilated. I thought it was just, like, a look. I can tell you where I shows. first noticed that, too, which is weird. Back in the day, the most hard rock city in the world had a hard rock cafe, and Salt that Lake? would be Salt Lake City. And in their <laughs> hard rock cafe, there was, like, a poster from one of the, like, like a Bowie release, and that's the first time I noticed it was, was at that hard rock cafe. That's useless fact that no one needed to know, but anyway. They had a bunch of Osmonds. They had yeah. so much fucking Osmond shit. <laughs> I mean, now they can have like Imagine Dragons and uh, and Neon Tree shit, but you know they, well, they closed a that. long time ago. Actually, oh, way oh, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, when I first moved to Utah, I was like, "There's a Hard Rock Cafe here," and then they closed like six months later. I'm, I'm I still am a little upset that I never got a T-shirt from there. Like, I still just think yeah. it's super funny. But you know, but anyways, yeah. So I I, I think this is a wonderful love story to uh, an icon. But as someone who has read other comics this month or graphic novels that did a I think a better job of telling the story, even if there was some fiction added to it. I think it could have been presented better than just a Wikipedia article. But it's still entertaining. The art is fantastic. Like, it's my other drinking game I was going to do was, am I an acid? Like, every time there's some page that has, like, this fantastical art that you're like, what the fuck? Really? Is this what? Mm -hmm. But, no, it's an enjoyable read. I I think the hardcore Bowie fans will like it more. And, like, I am a Bowie fan. I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore Bowie fan. Mm -hmm. But I I, I had fun with it. And I don't think I'll read it again. I think I got what I wanted out of one book. But it made me want to, it made me go listen to music yeah so cool uh, also adam to answer your question homosexuality was uh decriminalized in england in 1967 okay i was wrong so anyway there's actually a whole wikipedia article on the history of lgbt his- uh, in the united kingdom very interesting yeah. uh, so it wasn't the first time i was wrong on this episode so okay i'll just keep out i'm trying for a third time now <laughs> go for a hot trick so, uh, next week we are going to be reading Phonogram, at least the first storyline from Phonogram, which yep. is by uh, Karen Gillian and uh, Jamie McKelvey, McKelvey. Um, which uh, we have read other works from those uh, creators and really liked it. Um, this one is in black and white, so our good friend Matt Wilson is not coloring it, uh, who Todd and I are, are close buddies with. Ooh, uh, I have a fun side note with that, actually. Okay. Jumping around. So, Karen Gillian did uh, Wicked and Divine, which, well, Lena wasn't here for that, but we all loved. Yeah. Was it just 
Mirror, the, the art of Wicked Divine, really seem inspired by Ziggy Stardust. Oh, Lucy's totally yeah, um, oh, yeah. based on Bowie, like one hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. look, look, look at us making segues and connections. We're oh yeah, good absolutely. at this. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have Matt Wilson did a um, like a print of uh, Lucy from that that I have framed, um, which I love, and I still have my little Wicked Divine collection that Todd got me. Oh yeah. So cool, cool, cool. That will do it for us for this week. Uh, join us next week for uh, Phonogram, and we will see you all later. Bye. I was editing one where you weren't here, Lane, and I tried to jump in, and it was it was atrocious. And I, <laughs> but I think I left it in. It's like, it's like at the end of the episode, like it's still there. So.